Jack Spirito with the Survival Podcast. Welcome to an episode of Friday Flashbacks. After 15 years and hundreds of interview shows, we decided to run them as flashbacks every Friday, beginning with the oldest of them and going forward. There's a tremendous library of wisdom in all the great interviews we've done over the years, so sit back and enjoy. Whether this is your first time or even your second time around with today's episode, I'm sure you will enjoy it and learn a lot from it. And remember, you can help support the Survival Podcast and the work we do just by becoming a member of the Survival Podcast Members Support Brigade. If you do that, you'll get access to over 70 awesome discount codes on products and services you likely already use. Things like seeds, cannabis products, food storage items, custom roasted coffee, and even cool stuff like ammo and moonshine stills and more. So support the show, get all your money back and more. Just go to the survivalpodcast.com and click on members to learn more and sign up. Now let's get into today's Friday flashback. And today we're flashing back to originally episode 308, an interview with Dr. Kyle Christensen on herbs and herbal medicine, originally recorded November the 2nd, 2009. And with that, I'd like to, uh, let's get into the meat and potatoes, so to speak, of today's show. I would like to introduce Dr. Kyle D. Christensen. He is the, uh, I guess, head guy over at Western Botanicals. He has uh, got more credentials after his name than most people I know. He's a doctor of chiropractic, master herbalist, and uh, naturopathic doctor. Uh, he is also the author of, author of Herbal First Aid and Healthcare, which I thought was a fantastic book that he was kind enough to uh, send me. And, of course, uh, he is the, uh, the face and name of Western Botanicals, one of our sponsors. So, Kyle, thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. It's, it's nice to be here, Jack. Um, now, I just told people a lot of fancy buzzwords and uh, titles and stuff like that, but could you tell us a bit about yourself, your education, your background, and, and really what led you to focus on herbal health care and why it's such a big deal for you? Sure. I, I went to, to chiropractic school in the, in the early 80s and, um, you know, went through the, the curriculum learning the stuff that we needed to, to know. and. And after I started practicing, I realized that there was there's really more to to healthcare than you know cracking somebody's neck or popping their back. And and as a result, I began looking because my my job, as I saw, it, was to to help people get well and improve the quality of their lives. And so it led me to to nutrition. And and in nutrition, I started you know studying about herbs and and began experimenting with those as far as what they can do to turn people's health around. And and I was impressed, and so I, I began um, using more and more herbal medicine in my practice. And one of the things that that, that occurred that that was more common than not was I would send somebody to to a health food store to to pick up, you know, their their prescription, if you will, um, and invariably they would they would buy the cheapest thing on the shelf, and they would come back and they would say, you know, hey doc, it didn't work. And and finally, I realized that you know they're buying the the Joe's Foodie brand or Acme brand, right? They are, they are. They were buying <laughs> they were buying the cheap stuff, and so so as a result, I started started making stuff myself, and so I started teaching people in in my in my home, and I would have patients show up, and we would put these herbal recipes and formulas together, and before I knew it, um, I had seventy people stuffed in my living room, 
up to our elbows in herbs making things and stuffing money in the jar to compensate for what I was spending. And and ultimately, I convinced a, a, a running partner of mine, uh, Randy, who who's actually the president of the company. We started the company together, Western Botanicals. I convinced him to, to join forces with me, and we we started this business in in 1980. Excuse me, 1996, and it's just been been growing ever since. Well, it says something about any company that's been around since 1996, because we've had some. Uh, how do I put it? Tough times in between 1996 and now. So that says something about your longevity and the quality of the of the product that you're putting out. On that note, and this this always comes up, and I wanted to give you a chance to answer this because I've been answering people that ask questions like this my whole life, dad gone near. I mean, I'm a big believer in, in supplements. I'm a big believer in herbals. I mean, I understand that before we had all this modern medicine, that's what was there, and there's you know countless tribal peoples that have relied on this for years. But I had a guy email me yesterday and, and said, hey, you know, why don't you call it up an MD and get, you know, an MD's opinion of all this stuff? And, and you know, my response to him was, I'd like you to go ask your MD how many times he ever heard the word health in medical school. And, and I don't want to beat up on MDs or anything, because trust me, like, if I get hit by a car, I want to go straight to the emergency room. If I'm having a heart attack, I want an MD taking care of me. But for me, like, for chronic problems and things that people deal with, what you said earlier, to get well, right? That's I've always yeah. believed in taking the alternative courses first because, to me, they're gentler, they're safer. Um, I, I don't lose anything by not putting a harmful prescription into my body for a few years before giving something else a try. But what would you say to the, the person that is that type of skeptic? Or more importantly, because I think some of those people, you just they're not ready. They're not going to listen. But people like my wife. My wife is a person, she's been a nurse for 20 years, right? And she's, uh, because of that, she has a lot of faith. And that's the only word for it is faith in modern medicine. And I think she's over-trusting. She's too willing to just do whatever a doctor says without asking questions and, and looking at alternatives first. Right. Well, you know, in, in, in defense of your wife a little bit, because my wife is a nurse also, or she, she was anyways, when, when someone walks into their doctor's office, they're seeing the end in, in stage, end in, of the road. This is a person who has been ignoring their symptoms for, for a period of time to the point that now they've really got a problem. And so often in the medical community, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing people who have been ignoring the, the subtle or the early symptoms of of their condition to, to a point that, that by the time they go to the doctor's office, many of them, they are in crisis. And, and you know, modern medicine is, is better with emergency crisis or traumatic medicine than anybody. And Absolutely. Myself, if, 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 if I get hurt and I'm bleeding on the side of the road, um, don't take me to my chiropractor. I mean, <laughs> rush, me to, rush me to the emergency room. Agreed. And, and with, that, with that said, you also need to look at what's going on in our country. We we are so focused and so obsessed with with deficiencies. And you know, you look at some of these conditions. You know, osteoporosis. I don't have enough calcium, and so we're neurotic about getting enough calcium. But when you when you look at most of the the health issues in our country, they're diseases of excess or diseases of abundance. We're getting too much um, too much. Um, protein, we're getting too much fat, we're getting too much of things rather than deficiencies. 
you know, classic deficiency disease would be like uh, protein deficiency of beriberi or pellagra, which, you know, most people don't even know what those are. Sure. Because, because we don't have it, but we, we have all these diseases and, and conditions of, of excess. And that's, that's, you know, the American way. And so as, as a result, um, these are conditions that can be in large, large measure prevented and avoided and, and often very easily turned around, but it's going to take some changes in lifestyle. Um, when we look at, at, you know, modern, modern medicine, often it's, it's what I call fear-based medicine. You know, we, we often literally scare somebody with, you know, this can happen or that can happen, and we point to the worst-case scenario to the point that people are afraid to, to take things into their own hands. They're afraid to, to you know, administer uh, a simple home remedy that your grandmother would have given you. Rather, we, we rush to the emergency room for problems that, that, quite frankly, you know, don't need emergency crisis intervention. Yeah, I've seen a lot of that. One of the things I've seen is I've seen a lot of people put on high blood pressure medication. And okay, let's say you're you're jacked up there, you know, uh, and your two numbers are getting real close together. I understand, but I see people that you would even though know, the medical literature would call it borderline high blood pressure, and they're immediately thrown on maintenance medication, and then they end up with a medication to counter the medication, and next thing you know, they're on four drugs for the rest of their life, and the pharmaceutical company's wealthy, and the guy's blood pressure goes down five points, but there is probably an easier way to take, and a safer way to take care of that. There is, there is, and, and, and you need to understand that most medicine, especially for the chronic degenerative type conditions, is not designed to turn these conditions around and make people, people better, but they're designed to manage the, the problem. And so, you know, you look at blood pressure, for example, and often someone will go to the doctor and the doctor will say, you know, the blood pressure is getting a little high. Let's just, let's keep an eye on it, which to me is code language for, you know, you're not bad enough to put you on drugs yet. But I'm waiting for you to be, right? (laughs) Six months, you know, then then I've got you. Yeah, yeah. And and so, um, you know, we look at at the way things are are done, and, and really it's a management issue. You know, we want to manage people's medications. And that's very, very profitable. Um, you look at you look at many of the medications that are that are out today, more more so in the past, but they were they were started um, with herbs. They they found a, an active property in, in an herb, and they tried to find the chemical. Um, classic example is is salicylic acid, which is which is aspirin, and they would find salicylic aspirin in something like white willow bark. And they would isolate it, they would concentrate it, and, and turn it into a drug. Sure. Now, if you take too much aspirin, it's going to cause your stomach to bleed, and it can cause other problems. Whereas if you take the, the herbal form, it, it's got all the synergists and the cofactors and all these other chemicals that are part of its makeup that makes your body tolerate it a lot better. Sure. I mean, I, I can think of another one that, that's actually, you know, this kills people in overdoses, and it's digitalis. And right. I read in uh, Andrew Weil's book about that how all the medical lit- literature talked about three stages of overdose. And the second one was like vomiting. And, and, but nobody died if they vomited and, and, and as long as you stopped it there. But he had never seen anybody, and this is before he started going into these alternative uh, practices, never saw anybody ever have stage two. They had stage one or they went right to stage three and they died. And no doctor could explain why it was even in the literature and finally found this old doctor one time and said, oh, that's back when we used foxglove. 
Right. And he said, if you right. use foxglove, nobody ever died because they'd throw up before you gave them too much. Yeah, you know, and, th- and this is an interesting thing, and I don't, don't want to badmouth the herbal industry, but but when when you put something in a capsule, what you're doing is you're by te- bypassing the taste buds and you're bypassing some of the systems that are designed in the body for, for self-defense. Sure. Um, I, had a, I had a patient once that was given by an herbalist some oleander. Now, oleander is poisonous. And she was trying to stimulate some, some response, but it was in a capsule. So mm. I, I went into my backyard and I tasted the oleander, and there's no way in the world anybody is going to eat oleander because it is so bitter and nasty. Yeah. But if you put it in the capsule, you, you bypass that. And so, you know, with, with a lot of the herbs, it's a good idea to take them so that you can taste them. Now, saying that, we, we manufacture capsules as well as tinctures and, you know, other things, but, um, you know, you've, you've got to use your common sense no matter what you're doing. Gotcha. Now, you know, kind of in your in your book on herbal first aid and health care, in addition to all the herbal stuff, you actually talk a lot about basic first aid and, and kind of how the two worlds combine. Like if you have a cut, you got to stop the bleeding, and after you stop the bleeding, then you can worry about maybe an herbal salve that, that aids healing. Absolutely. You know, and so, you know, that my my intent with the book was to, to give people a, a hands-on guide to, to throw it into your first aid kit so that you could, um, you know, have a reference that you can, you know, say, you know, you've got a, you've got a symptom or you've got a problem, you know, something like headaches. Um, there's, there's a lot of things that can cause a headache. And so rather than, you know, saying, well, I've got a headache, I'm going to take this, you can begin to explore, okay, what, what's going on here? You know, one of the things that, that modern medicine does really, really good is diagnosis. And so if you can find the, the actual diagnosis or the cause, the underlying cause of something, you're, you're much better equipped to, to treat it. And, again, you know, my, my method of treatment is often, you know, a more holistic, natural way. Um, but, but, you know, finding out what's the cause. And so the book is designed on, um, you know, what can be going on. And we talk about things from, you know, even setting dislocations to, um, you know, to, to, to fractures to all kinds of different, you know, injuries that you could get out in the field. Um, you know, heck, I even talk about getting struck by lightning and what, what you can do. But, um, you know, my intent is to, to have a, a real working, working man's manual, if, if you will. Well, let me throw a plug out for you on this book here because my entire back wall of my home office is built in bookshelves and it's almost completely full. And two entire sections of that bookshelf are full of books on herbal medicine and alternative healing, everything from homeopathics to Olive Whale's books, all of, uh, all of, uh, what's the guy's name? I'm trying to read his name right now. I don't have good, uh, Deepak Chopra's books, uh, you name it. This is the best action book on herbs and first aid combined I've ever seen. So, folks, I really recommend you pick up a copy of Kyle's books, and uh, and I will put a link in the show notes to it for you guys. Uh, it's an outstanding book, Kyle. It's, it's very, very well done. Great. Thank you. Um, well, right, let's talk about something else that's kind of real topical. Right now, everybody is, you know, focused on the swipe flu, right? And... Uh, I, I'm absolutely, and I mean this, I don't just say this for entertainment, but I am so sick of politicians and uh, the administrative people from hospitals and health organizations coming on TV and telling me to wash my hands and cover my mouth and my nose when I sneeze like I'm in kindergarten. 
I am right. absolutely fed up with that. And I think it's because most of those people just want to be in the game. They want to seem like they're involved. Politicians always, if you put a microphone in front of them, their mouth inflect, you know, just instinctively starts moving, and they have to say something. I, I don't think they really know what to tell people. Could you talk about maybe some things that people can do, uh, maybe some herbs that are available, some things maybe that are even available from your company to help people strengthen their immune system? And the one thing I've heard people fear about that is, and I, I think people are just off track with it and they don't get it, there's, a, there's a, a belief that this flu is similar to the 1918 flu and that people with strong immune systems actually took it harder because it turned the immune system against you. But I think there's a difference between that kind of thing happening once you're infected and having a healthy immune system to avoid or fight the infection in its initial stages. You got any thoughts there? Sure. You, you need to be sure to cover your mouth when you cough and wash your hands. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's real interesting. You, you, you look at this, and just the, the hysteria associated with it is just, it's just mind-boggling. And, um, you know, it, it almost makes you think, that what's really going on here? But, but there, are, there are some things that, that you know, the, the literature is really um, smiling favorably on as far as, you know, what you can do. And one of them, and, and it's not an herb, but vitamin D3. And, and di vitamin D3 is a, is a natural form of, of, of the D vitamin. Um, of course, vitamin D is a, is a cholesterol that when it's on your skin and it's exposed to the sun creates this vitamin D3. And, of course, one of the things I think that sets off the flu season is, is, is it gets colder. People don't um, get as exposed to the sun. We're not outside as much. We're covered up more. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm having all my friends and family and patients taking taken, uh, more of the of the vitamin D3 because it's it's simple it's safe and it's effective. Now, from an herbal standpoint, there are some some things that are that are quite good. Um, a lot of your echinacea-based formulas. We have one called Immune Boost. We have another formula called uh, Anti-Plague Formula, um, which is you know kind of like the the immune system on, on steroids. I mean, yeah, you sent me some of that. It seems like a great product, but you talk about taste. That's a bit rough. You know what? I've, I've used it for a marinade before. Really? And it's not, and it's not bad. It's got a lot of garlic. It's got apple cider vinegar. It's got a bunch of other things. Um, it doesn't taste good, but but it, you know it sure it sure uh, you know kicks the immune system in the pants and gets it gets it moving. Um, you know when we when we look at the at this flu, um, again it's not like the the uh, 1918 flu. Um, you know healthy people are not dropping. It seems like the the, the people who are becoming casualties almost always have some underlying, you know, respiratory condition or a compromised immune system or they're diabetic or they're severely obese. So there, there are pre-existing conditions that, that will affect people. And of course, you know, my, my feeling with healthcare is, is you, you get healthy, you take care of your body so that when these things come around, they're not going to be big issues. And, to, you know, to me, you know, preventative is, is, is really, you know, the way to go with all that. I'm going to put you on the spot here and ask you how you feel about this flu shot. And I'll tell you how I feel first because that will make, <laughs> make it easier for you, I promise. Um, I haven't had a flu shot since I was in the Army and they made me, uh, except right. one year. One year in 20 years I've gotten a flu shot, and that was about 13 years ago. And the last time I got the flu was 13 years ago. Now, my wife tells me I'm crazy for putting the two together, but all I'm saying is for 20 years, no flu, one year flu shot, got the flu. I don't care if it caused it or not. didn't fix it. So 
I've stayed away from that, and instead of creating these hyperimmune responses, just trying to keep myself healthy, and, and my wife's a nurse, which means she's exposed to the flu from about this time of year through late winter every year over and over and over again, and she comes home, and there's no way to get it all off of you, and, and I don't get the flu, and, and I'm a believer that the flu shot's probably done more harm than good, and with the exception of there's probably people that should take it, but I just don't think that's me. Yeah, you know, I, I teach people you, you, need, you need some kind of protection. And so if, if somebody is, uh, is not, not taking care of themselves, if, if their diet is, is not good, if their hygiene is not good, if their sanitation is, is, is not good, then, yeah, maybe you, you, you would want to consider that. But like yourself, um, you know, they're not sticking anything in me like that because, um, you know, my, my body is pretty, pretty doggone healthy. And yeah, and as with my family. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not a full hatter or anything, and I don't think they're trying to, like, put us all to death with this stuff or anything. Like, some of these freaks, honestly, is what I call them out there online, seem to think. But I also don't understand why you have to put mercury into something you're injecting into my body or use these adjuncts that cause hyperimmune responses that basically cause tiny blood vessel fractures, which are like micro strokes throughout my body. I don't get why that's necessary. Now, maybe it is. But uh, again, it just it, it, unless I'm at serious risk, I don't see. I think that's more of a risk than the flu. I, and, and I agree with you. And, and, and certainly, a lot of the research, especially the stuff that's being published in Europe, is is validating that. And they're not putting mercury in a lot of the vaccines that are that are over in in Australia and and Europe for oh. that very reason. But here in America, <laughs> you know, they they still are. So they'll put and out so, a commercial that says, "Be careful how much tuna you eat." And then right. they'll then they'll inject mercury into your into your muscular system, which which is a, a severe neurotoxin. And you know you look at you look at an issue like like autism, and I'm not saying this is the the, the cause or the only cause of autism, but but so much of the the treatment with autistic children now is chelation, getting the the mercury out of the body. Sure. Now they're, they're not admitting that you know how it got there in the first place, mm. but. Um, but we, we see a, a big improvement on these kids that are that are doing some of these chelation-type therapies and getting it out. I've read a lot of studies that link uh, Alzheimer's as well to uh, yeah. to mercury, and, and that's, you know, let, let's kind of segue a little bit here because I think we beat that one up, and I'm, I'm glad you came on. I wanted you to talk about these. I get every day, I get two or three questions about the flu vaccine, the flu vaccine, and, yeah. and it's like it's nice to hear someone that deals with, you know, health on a daily basis kind of in that same vein, but, you know, I really have studied alternative treatments at length. I've read probably, you know, tens of thousands of pages on it. I actually considered going into your line of work at one time in my life, but I guess, you know, our career paths just take us different places. But I've studied enough to learn some things. And one of the things that I've seen, and I think this is why people maybe give herbals or something uh, that would be any kind of alternative treatment a chance and then say well it didn't work is because they don't understand it and they use what what i call like replacement ideology you mentioned uh willow bark right and Mm -hmm. uh you know you get aspirin from that so the logical thing that the person that says is well i don't want to use drugs so what i'm going to do is i'm going to get willow bark and when i need an aspirin i'll take the willow bark and and there's there's a place for that i mean there's it, it does make sense. It does have anti-inflammatory properties. It, if you have an acute symptom like a headache for whatever reason, it will make your headache go away. But if you have headaches all the time, 
Um, I'm a big believer that a headache is neither a deficiency in aspirin, Tylenol, or willow bark. So we got to get at the underlying symptom, what's actually causing it, what's imbalanced. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I, I agree with you because this whole, you know, the simple replacement ideology um, is, I don't want to call it nonsense, but it's pretty close to, to that. You, you look at aspirin versus white willow bark, and, and you know what, aspirin is going to work a lot better. It, it, it absolutely is, again, because they, they isolate the, the active ingredient, they concentrate it, and, and drugs do work, but, but there's, there's a trade-off. And so when, when you look at, at you know, herbs and natural health care, it's, it's really more of a philosophy of, of health. You know, what, what's going into your body on a, on a, you know, on a regular basis versus the, the crisis approach. And so you look at headaches. In, in my book, I list, I think, 21 different types of headaches. And so if you're, if you're barking up the, the, the wrong tree, um, you know, you're, you're not going to get it. And you're going to assume that, well, gosh, this herb didn't work or that didn't work. Um, let me tell you a quick story. I had a patient, Sally. She came in. She was getting going to get married in three months, and, and she was seeing me for headaches. And, and I was adjusting her, her neck, and, and she would get a little bit better, and I was giving her herbs. And, and, and she just wasn't making progress. Each week she would come back and say, nah, still there, still there. Well, finally she went away to to her, her wedding and came back three weeks later and she says you'll never believe that my headaches are gone and I thought great you know it must have been the stress of the wedding and she says no I didn't get married she says you know she was 55 <laughs> years old she was going to marry an older man who was very wealthy didn't love him and as soon as she decided not to get married the headaches were gone which you know a light bulb went off in my head and I thought aha there was nothing I could have done to, to cure that headache boy you're and, right and, and, and so, so you, you look at that and you think that you know what? You got to find the underlying cause. What's, sure. what's causing this this issue? And then when that can be addressed, the problems go away. How, how many different kinds of headaches did you say you came? It was like eighteen or twenty. Twenty-one. Twenty-one. I mean, there's a there's a whole lot more. Uh, yeah, but see, have. that's 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 something that people need to take into account. And, and I guess just to simplify it for people and, and figuratively beat them over the head with it to make it clear is if you've got a headache from stress. Right, that's one type of headache, and people think of all headaches being the same. People think of all stomach aches being the same, right? They think right. of all any whatever hurts, it's the same as anything else. So there's a remedy for it. Well, if I punch you in the head, and your head hurts because I've punched you in the head, that's an entirely different type of headache than the right. fact that your your capillaries are restricting blood flow due to a stress headache. Yeah, well, you know, it's like it's like taking a, a pain pain reliever because because your foot hurts. But you don't bother to, to look at your foot and take the thorn out of the sure. out of your toe. Or you so, take a, like the other one I've seen is that people like okay I've hurt my ankle and it's swollen and it hurts and it's not broken and it's going to heal and everything's fine but it hurts so I take a bunch of ibuprofen. Well now the right. swelling goes down and I go walking around on it and I actually increase the damage when that swelling was actually there to immobilize it long enough for it to heal. Absolutely. You know when when you understand that the, the body is pretty doggone smart and it knows what it's doing and symptoms are really nothing more than than the body's attempt to to stabilize something to to help something heal or to let you know that hey there's a problem here you got to pay attention to this and so when we look at symptoms not as bad things but as the body communicating to us and if we can learn to to listen to that then we're we're one step closer to getting well.
So let's say I, I've decided I'm going to learn about herbs, I'm going to learn about alternative treatments, and, and the nice thing about herbs is, is you can kind of experiment, you can make poultices, you can, you can make extracts, you can, you can do all types of things, and heck, I mean, we cook with them. I've got probably, I've probably got 30 different herbs that grow in my backyard that are culinary herbs that also have medicinal properties. But somebody's going to start kind of stocking up that herbal pantry. For, for, for anything. What are like, you know, some things that you absolutely think everybody should include in kind of that laundry list of, you know, a basic stock of, of herbs? You know, the, the first, first, I think, question you need to ask is, is what, what are you predisposed to, you know, as far as, you know, health issues? Um, you know, I, I, I know a lot of people, I mean, when they get under stress, they, they get a bladder infection. Other people will get constipated or diarrhea or, um, you know, indigestion. And so you look at what, what are your, your weak links in, in your health, um, individually or your, or your families. And so what do you need to take care of that? And so often, you know, I'll get people on, on a clothes, uh, on a product called colon cleanse, which is an herbal laxative. I mean, America is, is constipated. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they absolutely are. My, my wife had a great, great, great grandfather who fought in the Civil War. And, and the injury he suffered in the Civil War, which was, was very, very, very common, was constipation. Because what they did is they were, they were eaten, um, eaten terribly. I mean, they were on the go all the time, and, and constipation was, was a major issue for these, these soldiers, which caused uh, venous congestion, which caused, caused leg problems because the circulation was, was impaired, and he suffered the rest of his life as a result of, of his two-year stint in, in the Civil War. And so, you know, you look at, at things like that that we don't like to necessarily talk a lot about, but, but you, you've got to make sure that, that if, if you change your diet because of whatever economic scenario may, may cause us to, to, you know, eat differently than we normally do, um, you need to have some things to ward against that. You know, we, you, you tell people to um, store what you eat and eat what you store, mm-hmm. and, and that's really true. And one of the reasons why is you don't want to start monkeying around with your digestive tract um, in a situation where you may not be able to get help. So, you know what, you're right. And from a prepper mentality, I, I see a, a huge thing there that maybe is a hole in people's preps. The eat what you store, store what you eat works for a certain amount of time, but there's a finite level of, uh, of quantity uh, that people can store because of um, financial and spatial limitations. So what a lot of people do is, is an adjunct to storage are things like beans and whole grains. Now, if you go to a diet with a lot of beans and whole grains, and especially whole wheat, it's actually a lot more nutritious than the average American diet. But if you're not accustomed to it, you're going to have the very issues you're talking about. And then the colon cleanse things, I, I, that was one of this, our skeptic friend that emailed me yesterday about this. That was one of his big things. You know, what, you know, what can this possibly do for you? My thought on that is um, I could take your spleen away, and if I do it surgically and properly, you can live. If I take right. your kidneys away, you're dead. And you're dead right. because they're part of the waste removal system of your body. That's what the colon is. And if it's not functioning properly, you're not getting rid of all the waste the way that your body intends to. And, yeah, it's not a happy subject to talk about. Nobody gets really, you know, inspired by it. But it is absolutely an acute uh, system that you cannot live without. You can't take away somebody's uh, entire lower intestine and say, now just go on about life. They're going to die. Yeah, I mean, a bowel obstruction is not pretty. Um, you know, another thing that, that, that I recommend is, is, um, 
the the other side of the the coin, we have a product called Colon Detox, which is a bentonite clay and psyllium um, product. But again, it, it will help stop diarrhea. And so if somebody's got got an issue, um, if, you know, if dysentery or cholera breaks out, um, which which is not unlikely if if you've got a lot of flooding and pro- type problems, um, you want something that's going to be able to absorb the toxins in in the the intestines as well as slow down the yeah the, the and bentonite bentonite would do that I guess I I, I, I used to be involved in um, uh, underground construction we used to do what's called directional boring and when uh-huh. we when we drilled uh, in really loose like sandy soils that would collapse on the bore we would add bentonite clay to the mix and. It's kind of graphic, right but I can up. see the point uh, that you're making. And it, it also blazed the point for some of the preppers that some of this stuff maybe isn't something that it, you necessarily need to be buying because you're using it all the time. But having it as a corrective measure in a situation where diarrhea becomes rampant, uh, because yeah. it, that can kill you, especially children. You, you know, and, and food poison is poisoning, you know, is, is a, a key cause of that. And so to take something that's going to absorb the toxins, oh, yeah. and slow things down, can, can be a, a, a big help, and so you know, I look at, I look at storing things that are going to be you know directly applicable to to your health needs. But as far as a bunch of different herbs, you know, cayenne is is a great one um, for many many first aid uses. It's an overall stimulant, but it, surprisingly, even though it stimulates circulation, it will stop bleeding. Mm. And so you could you could have somebody who's got a, a pretty nasty gash or cut, and put a a few droppers of or a dropper full of cayenne in their mouth, and you know they may be howling at the the heat in the in the mouth, but the bleeding absolutely will stop. And, wow. Um, you know, herbs such as fennel, you know, is you know for gas or, or uh, indigestion. Chamomile calms the nerves; it reduces high blood pressure. You know, and chamomile tea, you know, is one of those things that you know people have been drinking for for millennia, but it's it's a good soothing nerve nerve calm. Uh, you know, one of my favorites, and I suspect one of yours, is comfrey. Absolutely, you know, comfrey is is a phenomenal herb as far as healing healing wounds and, and tissues. It has uh, properties that that increase cell proliferation, meaning that it makes cells multiply and grow and knit things together faster. And and comfrey, of course, is 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 great to have in your garden because it it pulls the nutrients deep from the soil. Um, that some of the other roots can't get to, and so it pulls them up to where the roots can can get to them. Um, it's a, to me, it's a wonder. It, it, comfrey is an absolute wonder. You take it, chop it down, and throw it in a container, and it produces a liquid fertilizer that is right. absolutely amazing. And yet, it has culinary and medicinal uses. One of the ones we've used that I don't even think people consider an herb. I saw it in your book, uh, but I've used just recently with my wife. She gets very, she's not allergic to bee stings, but if she gets a bee sting, she's a, a lot of swelling and pain. More reaction than, let's say, I would, but none of the acute dangerous symptoms. Well, I've t- taken uh, marigold flour and right. just mash them up with water to make like a poultice and put that on uh, stings for her, and it immediately takes the swelling and the sting away. It's very uh, anti-inflammatory, and, yeah, and I don't think most people even consider it an herb. Yeah, and that's, you know, and that's what I try to teach people is that, that don't think of you know, planting medicinal herbs. Think of you're planting all these new wonderful flowers because you know, many of them are just, are just gorgeous. You know, marigolds is a, is a great one. It's, it, it looks pretty. It's going to keep the aphids away from your tomatoes. Um, but, it's, but it's also a, a great drawing poultice as well as anti-inflammatory. And, so and it makes a good wine. 
Yeah. <laughs> Marigolds yeah. make well, a beautiful wine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my, my, my four-year-old is always in the yard gathering dandelions so she can make dandelion tea. And, awesome. You know, and it, it's really a mindset. That, that we're after. That's another great one, isn't it, dandelion? Because you actually have three component parts that all have um, very good uses. You've got the blossom, the leaf, and the root. Yeah, and and they're all great. And you know, dandelion is is, is a great herb for for the liver, for the gallbladder. Again, it it helps digestion. It's it's an anti-inflammatory. Um, you know, another good one is, is echinacea. You know, uh, purple cone flower, and the the roots are, are phenomenal for the the immune system you bite into one of those roots and it causes your your tongue to kind of tingle mm-hmm. and, and you know you've got you've got good echinacea very um, cool you know the king of all of all herbs um and i i was lecturing the other night and you know asked people what you know if you could only choose one herb for for medicine medicine or health what would it be and the answer hands down of course is garlic mm-hmm. you know garlic is 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 not only wonderful in, in food but you know, medicinally, it's it's you know antifungal, it's antiviral, antibacterial. It it you know builds and strengthens the immune system. It'll you know take away warts. It'll you know work with you know ear infections. It'll slow down um, you know swollen lymph nodes. And so a, a greater yeah, um, yeah. In fact, let's let's kind of talk a little bit about growing stuff because I mean, you you have a whole chapter in your book about it, and yeah. as I'm like a gardening freak, so I mean, it's a big thing with me, and and that's a great one to grow. What I've been growing this year, um, which I, maybe I'm crazy because I can get so much of it without having to cultivate it, but uh, I seem to get bigger bulbs out of it. Is I've been cultivating wild garlic. And it's amazing if you take something that's adapted to your region like wild garlic, the, the days it's able to just grow on the side of the road, and you give it good fertile soil and a little bit of treatment and give it a little bit more space. And, and to me, uh, and I was just talking about this uh, with David Wendell when we were talking about wild edibles, wild garlic has a flavor that is, uh, you know what it is, but it's totally different. Like, you know, that's garlic, but it's not the same. And, and, and what are your thoughts on maybe taking some of the, these herbs and instead of just buying them out of a seed catalog, maybe going out and harvesting and then growing them in your, on your own property? Absolutely. And not only growing, growing things on your own par- property, but, you know, kind of like the, the gorilla gardening. You know, my, my onions produce, you know, so many seeds this, this year. And, and same with my garlic. And so, you know, you go around the neighborhood and you, you find, you know, little places to, to deposit these things. In, in the same vein, you don't need to grow all of the, the herbs in your own yard. If you know where a hawthorn tree is or a ginkgo tree, mm-hmm. um, you know, learn, learn what's growing in your neighborhood. And, and there's, there's medicine, you know, all, all around you as long as we just become familiar with it. Um, Again, you know, when when we when we talk about permaculture, which which I'm a, a a big fan and advocate of, we we talk about planting to the point where you know weeds are not going to be they're not going to have room to to grow because you've absolutely got so so many things planted and and so my suggestion is is plant plant a lot of these these herbs now you know different things are going to grow better in certain parts of the country but you know find what what grows good in your your area. And, and fill in those spaces. And you can also course, they, go ahead. I, I was going to say, you know, they they say that a, that a weed is just an herb in the wrong place. Yeah, yeah. And and, and so there's there's value in, in in most things, I think. 
I think there's also a huge opportunity for people to just find stuff that's growing in a place where you can harvest it from the wild and just do little things to help nature. Like one of the things I discovered very early as a kid in Pennsylvania is we used to go out every year and pick blueberries, and that was a, a big thing. The whole family would go out. We'd spend weeks picking blueberries while they were available. And then there was this, you know, this huge part of the mountain where the blueberries grew. The soil was kind of acidic, uh, which the, the blueberries liked. And then there was this backside of the mountain that was well, it wasn't as much sun, and you to think they would have done as well back there, but you'd find these huge blueberries. And what it was is there was moss all over the ground, and there were these depressions in the road, and it created all this reserve water. And they did so much better. So I start, thinking back to those days, I started trying things up at my, my location in Arkansas. There's wild blackberries everywhere, and they can handle the drought very well. But all I did was just start taking the wild blackberries and just mulching the heck out of them, not doing anything else, no pruning, no trimming, no nothing, just throwing mulch on them. And then the berries on my property up there are producing much larger berries than the ones that are just across the street, and all it is is mulch. And that doesn't take right. a whole lot to throw a bunch of leaves in a pile. No, not not at all. You know, and 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 even you know you create a few swells, and mm-hmm. and again you're gonna you know they say the best place to to store water is in the ground, and <laughs> and if you can if you can mulch or if you can do whatever you need to do to keep the water in the ground, then um, you're going to be so much better off than trying to you know harvest it other ways for your. For yeah, your that's garden. so true. That's so true. It was it was Jeff Lawton that taught me to think of a forest as a lake. He said if you have a forest when it's well hydrated and and the floor is thick with with refuse and it hasn't been damaged by man, that you're standing, if you're standing in the middle of a 10,000 acre forest, you're standing in a 10,000 acre, two inch deep lake of water. That if you took the dirt away, that's what you would see. Two inches of standing water for that's a lot of water. Mm hmm. Um, Yeah. Let's get, let's get back. I mean, it's, it's, it's obviously something we both have an interest in, so we could segue off the main topic here. But, <laughs> um, you know, let's talk a little bit about your store. You have herbs for sale uh, at your store, uh, and all your yeah. products are certified organic. Well, let, let, let me correct you on, okay. on, on that. We're, we're actually a manufacturer. Okay. And so we, we, we actually don't don't have a storefront here. And so, you know, we, we found it, and I had, you know, various – Stores and in our businesses, but since we've moved to this location, um, we're we're focusing on on manufacturing, and so we um, manufacture a lot of our products. We we do a lot of what's called contract manufacturing, mm-hmm. so we will manufacture for others, and and we we carry just a, a ton of different herbs. Um, the the issue of organic, if something is certified organic, it it, it means that it's typically it's been farmed. There are a lot of lot of herbs out there that are what we call wild crafted. For for example, in your your neck of the woods in, in Arkansas, you know they grow some some great American ginseng. You, you can't farm that because it, it mm-hmm. you know they're starting to to try with it, but but a lot of the herbs that we get they're as as pure and organic as can be, but they're not certified organic because they don't fit the government's definition of organic. But they're not because. They're not pesticide-infused. Uh... Absolutely not, right. And what I was saying, so, can you talk about the importance of that? Well, again, you know, when we when we look at, you know, big agribusiness, um, they're trying to, to manage, you know, their plants to, to increase the, the weight and the volume and the productivity, but they're not so concerned about the, the, the quality, whereas if things are growing natural in nature, um, you know, everything is about 
everything is about quality and how things are going to um, be most effective and beneficial. And so, you know, when you're when you're gathering, you know, different herbs or plants, um, it's it's best to go to where they they grow the best. And so, um, it's interesting to note that that most of the the American ginseng um, that's harvested in our country goes to China because mm. they value it more than sure they do. We do, and and so you know we want we want quality. If 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 you were to go into a nice restaurant and they gave you a salad that was that was three days old, you know they said no, it's lettuce. You got lettuce. You got arugula. You got some spinach there. Yeah. You know, what, what's the what's problem? your problem? It's brown. It's good. Yeah, <laughs> but but but. Quality is everything. We all we all know that in everything that you buy, and we've been so inundated in our culture with with cheap products and cheap quality that you know there's this planned obsolescence that, that's out there. You know, this car is only going to last so many years. You know, basically they time it to to when it's done being paid for, and and so it is with with so much of what what we're exposed to, and and I you know I think you know. Us and and the the ilk that we hang out with, we're interested in quality. Yeah, we'll pay a little bit more if, if the quality, you know, will warrant it. And and you know that's that's what we find. You you may pay a little bit more for for high quality, but um, it, it, it's certainly worth it. You know, and, and I think there's a lot to be said for quality. And it's one thing if you're buying a basketball. Right, I mean, he, a basketball right. has a finite life, no matter how good it is. And come on, let's face it—it's a ball. You play a game with it. You throw it at uh, a backboard. Hopefully, it goes through a hoop. But if you're buying something that's specifically supposed to improve or maintain your health, I, I just don't see that as the place for you to go. Yeah, I want the cheapest I can get. Like I said earlier, yeah. the Acme brand, because it's not all created equal. If it was, it would all cost the same price. Yeah, and and. And keep in mind that there are a lot of companies um, that will try to to double and triple the price and and you know create a, a you know a market or a media that that is going to try to sell their product over something else. Sure. So, you know, the the most expensive isn't always going to be the best, and the cheapest isn't always going to be the worst. And so you you need to to know who you're buying from. You need to you know shop around a little bit, but. Um, well, buying from somebody that's been there since 96, I think that would make you pretty safe. Um, on that note, kind of about time to wrap this up. We're at about 50 minutes here. Um, uh, how can people learn more about you, Kyle, and, and your, your site, your book? And uh, if they're local to your area, where exactly are you at? And how can people in your local area uh, maybe come see you uh, as, a, as a chiropractor and herbalist? Sure. You, 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 can, you can find us on, online at... Uh www.westernbotanicals.com. There's a banner on your web um, website. Um, click on the banner, and it'll take you right over to our website. Um, we're, we're located in, in Spanish Fork, Utah, and um, and so you know you can look us up on the website if you're if you're in town and you want to you know stop by and say hi. Um, we can show you around. That's, that's, that's pretty much that's it. it. I think yeah. yeah. That's all right. Yeah, I mean. You know, I'm I'm always open to, you know, to emails and phone calls if people want to chat. And, and we were going to set up a uh, 
a discount for TSP listeners uh, and for the uh, supporting members. Did uh, right? Did we come to a, a number on what we're going to do for folks there? And you yeah, know, I, I, think, talk- I think what, what we'd like to do is off, offer li- your listeners a five percent discount on on their on the products uh, that we offer, and members a ten percent. Awesome. So, so what I'll do is I'll have you get to me the two different discount codes, and uh, when the show goes live, I'll make that available to everybody, uh, either in the brigade or in the show notes. And, and folks, I, I'll tell you what, you're listening to a guy that's dedicated his life to doing this. And, and Kyle, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of questions that come up from today's show, so I'd like to ask you in advance now, once we get a few of them from the audience for you, would you be willing to come back and do this again? Oh, absolutely. Well, great. And, and thanks for being here, man. Any final words you got there for just for people about health in general, or, or no, just use use your common sense and and you know grow grow your herbs and and eat them. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Grow your own and eat it. That's that is good advice. It's advice that we try to give you on a regular basis. Here, people ask me, Jack, what food should I store? And I often say, well, you should store what you eat, but you should also grow what you eat. And uh, in this case, with herbal remedies, you can uh, go beyond just storing herbs that can help you. You can grow some of the herbs that can help you. And if you uh, if you need something, please uh, give Western Botanicals a look uh, before you make your decision on where to uh, do business. I can tell you uh, these are good quality guys to do business with, and I've had a chance to uh, review quite a bit of their products because they were nice enough to send me some, and uh, absolutely outstanding stuff, absolutely outstanding people. And and with that, I just want you to kind of take in what you heard today. It wasn't a you know a, an hour-long infomercial. There was a little bit of promotion there, but we're going to, of course, do that. But most of it was just education and information, and that's the most important thing. And what you start to realize when you look around you that there's, there's ways to improve improve your health. There's ways to sustain yourself everywhere if you just know what to look for. So make sure that you're doing the things that we talked about today, Uh, making sure that you're staying healthy, you're increasing your immune system, make sure that you're aware of the things around you that are good for you and the things that are bad for you. Make sure that you do just a little bit every day to improve uh, your surroundings. And like Kyle said, it's not just planting a bunch of medicinal herbs, it's planting a bunch of really cool food, really cool flowers, and a whole bunch of really cool plants so see if you can do that and if you start doing that it's a great way to start improving your life on a daily basis this has been jack spirico and kyle christensen with another edition of the survival podcast helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't and you can holler it really doesn't matter because it all gets spent Well, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Survival Podcast Friday Flashbacks. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider becoming an MSB member. Just go to thesurvivalpodcast.com and click on Members to learn more. You can also support our show by going to TSPAZ, that's T-S-P-A-Z, TSPAZ.com. Anytime you shop online, and while you'll support us no matter what you buy, you will find over 500 reviews of items I have personally tested and vouch for. And to stay in touch with us and never miss anything, Follow our channel or our group on Telegram. You can find links to that and all our social media options. Just go to the survivalpodcast.com and check the show notes for any episode.